Welcome to Can They Do That? brought to you by Scott Law Team, the employment law firm. We are excited to discuss recent employment issues and events that affect your everyday life. Keep in mind this podcast is educational and is not a substitute for legal advice or professional consultation. If you need help, you can reach us at scottlawteam.com. I'm Corey Sabin, marketing strategist, joined by Kathleen Scott. How are you, Kathleen? Hello, doing great. So right now, employees have the upper hand. There's so many jobs out there. So they go for a job and the employer asks them a question. And the employer realizes what he believes there might be a chemistry there. How far is too far from the employer's and the employee's point of view? Yeah, so you gotta gotta kind of know your rights in that situation, right? It can be awkward um, when you get asked that question. I remember someone asked me what if I could be any animal, what animal would I would be? And I don't think that's where you were going, but but what would was, you be? No, I, you know, I, I think I chose a hawk because you can kind of see things from a high level and, and swoop in and get your prey. Very analytical. Wow. Yeah, it was interesting. And what's and then I ran into someone years later who applied for the same law firm job and we were having a cocktail at a Florida bar event and he said, Hey, I heard you applied for a job at the same law firm. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, did he ask you a question about, he's like, he did. What animal did he choose? (laughs) I don't remember. But um, yeah, but you do need to know kind of what your rights are when you're, when you're in that bizarre kind of job. It's a very um, out of body experience, right? When you're there, you're in this interviewing process and you want to say all the right things, but I think it's very important to be yourself. Because you want to make sure the job interview is as much for the employee as it is for the employer. Um, but you, gotta, you have to also keep an eye on some kind of inappropriate questions. Um, they shouldn't be asking you things about, like, how old you are. That's wrong. Or how many kids you have. That's wrong. Those are the easy softball ones, right? Everyone knows that, I think. But sometimes it's just like, oh, you know, general conversation. Oh, do you have kids? And that's wrong. But you're just being conversational. Like, oh, I was running late. Oh, me too. You know, my kids this morning. Oh, do you have kids? So, yeah. So, Sherry, that can be a tough, tough thing because it's all well and good if the person gets the job and life goes on and everything's fine. If they don't, you know, they're replaying the interview in their head thinking, did I not get the job because I have small children? And because, you know, I think that's particularly true with women too because often they're assumed to be the primary caretaker and you want to make sure that that's – so that's probably not the greatest thing to say. Um, More commonly, people get asked – the bad stuff, right? Like, well, I know what happened here at that job. And you don't really want to talk about what happened at that last job. So how do you get around it? If you have longevity of employment, you've been somewhere a long time, that should speak volumes and should focus on the positive. Focus on the positive. So instead of jumping into the question um, about why you were fired, focus on how long you were there and how great you were. Oh, I'm glad you asked me about that company. You know, I was there, gosh, 10 years. It was really time for me to move on. I had a great experience there, but I just felt like after there that long, I really had reached the maximum potential I could reach. And so now I'm just really looking for other opportunities. Didn't really answer the question, but that's But then okay. I would follow up and say- well, you might follow up because yeah. you're a reporter. <laughs> but I would follow up and say, that's great. What were some of the challenges you had? I think they sensed that I was looking for more. And I think that they sensed that I was, you know, a little disconsent because there wasn't anywhere further I could grow with the company. Is that why you left? That's probably why I left, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Want to go on a date? You can't <laughs> say that though, right? After they leave. Yeah, no. Not if you're the one offering the job, I wouldn't say Because that's that. the dating thing too. I saw that happen and that's why I bring it up. A young guy in his 30s was interviewing a woman, like 25, and all of a sudden you saw the dynamic shift from the conversation and they found out that they both kind of liked each other. Hmm. And it was odd. And it was two reporters. 
And the next thing, though, they're dating. And she got the job, but it's very odd. And so, the boyfriend. That's, and a the double, boy- that's a double win, right? But, yeah, I mean, there's, so there's so many things that employers cannot ask that are uncomfortable. Right. What else? Beside those layups. Yeah, well, you know, they really should stay away from things like, you know, how much time off have you taken in the past? Have you been sick a lot? Have you had a work comp injury? Those are those are no no questions. Um, I think what they what they can ask is, is there anything that would prevent prevent you from being at work regularly? You no, know, have you had attendance issues in the past? That's a performance issue. But they can't say, have you ever called out sick and why? Because that would d- delve into inappropriate medical conditions. And then you get into, are you vaccinated? But that's often on the application now. Hmm. Yeah. So the vaccination issue is is tough, and I think we're going to see it's going to continue to evolve and change. So, and we're here in Florida, um, and it's different in other states. But generally speaking, the, the worker um, can be asked that question: Are you vaccinated? That's a, that's an appropriate question, and the employer can say we have a mandatory vaccine policy. Where it gets really uncomfortable is then the employee is going to have to decide whether they want to ask for an accommodation right then and there in the interview or share. Um, that they're vaccinated. Um, they don't have to in, the, in that early process. They can wait until later, but it will be awkward if they don't answer that question. But right? it's probably best, don't you think, to ask for the accommodation right then and there as opposed to pushing the ball down the, the field, if you will? Yeah, but um, if they get the job and then they ask for it, it's more likely they'll be granted the accommodation. The risk is telling asking for an accommodation in an interview um, – then the employer may, may choose just to not hire them. So but then I, what if it's the other way and it says, you know what, Kathleen, we did all this and now you're asking for an accommodation. We want people to be vaccinated and that's the goal. Well, and that's not the law. So I think. <laughs> so they, But it's they, my company. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Although the company does have to follow the law, which does require them to offer religious and medical exemptions as well as the opportunity to wear a mask. So um, I think if I'm the employee and it's a really it's a really smart point you're bringing up, I might pivot on that and say, I'm willing to follow the company policy on vaccines. What is the company policy on vaccines? Everybody should be vaccinated. And is there no opportunity to have an exemption? My understanding was there's legal requirements to have an exemption. That's your understanding. We choose not to hire people like that because we have, many of us have children that are at high risk. Hmm. So I come, I come back to what I said before. The interview is as much for the employee as yes. it is for the employer. I don't know that that's the kind of rigid place you want to work. Well, you never know. what I was in an office the other day, and I was asked, are you vaccinated before I came in? And I said, yes. Are you boosted? I was asked that. And then I got there, masks sitting across. It was a law firm, plastic wow. barriers okay. across from everything. Yeah. And that's because someone in their home is uh, compromised, mm. and they don't want to bring it home. So those are situations where I could see, like, for example, if I, and I was surprised they didn't ask me to see my card and I thought they would. That's intense. Yeah. I've not seen that. Yeah. You know, but in some states, obviously we talked about it before in California, they're asking you to see the card, et cetera. So from an employee's point of view, what can they ask the boss and what's off limits? Well, it's, yeah. So they can ask. it's a get to know. It's a get to know. They can ask about policies. They can ask about paid time off. Although... If you're interviewing with someone who's kind of old school, asking about how many days off you get a year may not resonate very well, but you do have the right to ask about that. I might ask about metrics. I mean, no one thinks about this, but, you know, how will I be evaluated? What are the metrics? How will I know what a good week looks like? Tell me how I will be judged and how I'll be, you know, how my performance will be evaluated. Because that's the kind of thing you want to know, right? If you get into the workplace and it turns out, 
all you have to do to be successful there is make sure you tell funny jokes. Like maybe that's not the you know that's not what you want. So I think asking about the metrics is super important. I think it's a great question, and it's also telling if the employer can't respond to it, right? And yeah. say that there's we don't have metrics. You know, we're going to onboard you, and then uh, we'll go from there. Right. That's interesting. So from the employee's point of view, when they're asking these questions of the employer, how important is, it's funny, in the beginning you said, uh, what about the paid time off? And as someone who's a little bit older, I might say, well, geez, you're already asking for time off and you haven't started yet. <laughs> right. Yeah. And that's the perception. And then what about working from home? Yeah, I might call that a benefit. I think um, because it is, I mean, it is a benefit, right? Not all employers have remote work. And maybe you could lead into that by saying, tell me what the benefits. A lot of companies I'm interviewing are saying that they have remote, quasi-remote. What's the, what's that like here? You know, how, Are there remote working opportunities or what's that like? And then ask about it that way because it is a benefit of employment. And I think it's the right – it is a good question to ask um, for sure. I think talking about money is often the biggest challenge. It's hard. How do you approach that? So I think you can lead it in with the metrics question. So if you can start by talking about, well, how will I, what are the so metrics? So role play with me. Um, so, uh, Ms. Scott, how will I be evaluated and how often? Well, Corey, as a young associate, we know you're going to work hard, but we're also going to track how much time you bill. So one of the metrics you'll be judged by is whether you can meet your billable hour requirement or you can generate a certain amount of income for the firm. So we bill, it's based on production. And how will I be paid? Well, good producing attorneys get paid better than ones who aren't. So I think that's the moment, right, where you can then lean mm. in. And How do you define good? Yeah. So we follow the rule of three as a minimum, and that means whatever you're paid as your salary, we multiply that by three, and that's the floor of what you're expected to bring in in terms of production. So if you're paid $100,000 a year, we anticipate that you'll be able to bill at least 300000 as the floor for the first year that you're here. And then you'll be bonused after you reach four times that, and then bonus again after you get five. So we, we try to set it up very clearly. Um, and what we found is we have a really good handle on what the average fee per file is, and we have a pretty good handle on how many hours you have to bill each week to do that. So I would ask you the question, if you're going to work for our law, how much do you want to make a year? Because that's, that's where we can have that dialogue and we can back you into that number. So it's really up to you. That's interesting. So most people don't do that. No. No. And that's because you're giving me the leeway to say, I want to make a half million mm -hmm. or, you know, I'm happy with 80 grand. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. most people will say, well, it's this. And then I typically believe that people come in with the lowball offer first. They do. And that's, that's why asking about the metrics is so important. Because they need to be able to show you the pathway to get to where you want to be. You know, salary is some arbitrary number that someone decides that you're worth. If it's not linked to numbers or metrics, then, you know, why does a school teacher get paid X? Why does a fireman get this much? Because somewhere someone decided that's the right salary range for that. It's not based on production. Do we pay them based on how many lives they save? No, but in a workplace where you— They should be bonus. I mean, at least, you know, right? So think. I think anytime you have an opportunity to be paid based on your production, that's obviously, you know, a better situation for the employee because it's linked to their actual performance and motivates performance. And it's good for the employer, too, because when you have well-compensated folks, like salespeople, for example, um, they do well and do better for the company. What else can employers or should employers avoid? During the interview process? Yeah. I mean, don't overpromise. I, You know, if, if your workplace is busy and it's chaotic, start the culture conversation right then and there. 
you know, you've heard me talk in these other shows about core values. The interview is the best place to start talking about the core values. So if you value, say, tenacity, we do that in our law firm. It's one of our core values. Ask the behavioral question um, of the applicant. So one of our core values is tenacity. And we mean by that, you're going to be solution-oriented, leave no stone unturned. Tell us about an example where you demonstrated something tenacious that you've done in your prior employment experience and ask them to tell you about how they hit a roadblock and how they overcame it. And, you know, that that that's it's a good place to start looking for the core values. If they look at you with a blank stare, you know, I think you, you can learn a lot from those type of behavioral questions or something like, mm, we're looking for people who can solve problems. Tell me about a challenge that you overcame in your last workplace and give them that just and just sit back. And for the employer, stop talking. Let the applicant talk and just let it go on. You can learn so much by what they say if you just, you know, don't overtalk and really start asking about those core value questions early on. One problem I've always found is people sometimes are too familiar. And mm. I think I have no issue with it, but some people do. Where they're like, oh, thank you, Miss Scott. By the way, where did you go to college? Mm-hmm. Or I saw you went to this school and, you know, I have a brother that went there. Right, right. Your thoughts on being too familiar. And I guess that's just more of a style thing. Uh, but it's often uncomfortable for the prospect as well. And it's not a great interviewing technique either because likability is almost never what it takes to do a good job in the workplace. We all have those coworkers. We love them. But boy, do we not want to give them any more work to do because they just can't get the job done. So you would advise against the familiarity? I would advise against the familiarity unless it's intentional. And what I mean by that is decide what are the qualities of the person that you need for this job. So in a law practice, we look for people who don't frustrate easily. So maybe in the interview, you want to ask questions that could be slightly intrusive or frustrating. Then you find out how the person handles that situation. If they're able to pivot and laugh it off, well, maybe you've learned something about that person. They handle themselves well even when, when I ask an uncomfortable question like asking about a termination or ask that you learn something about them. We like attention to detail. How can you learn that in an interview? Ask them about it. You know? Do you prepare prior to the interview with certain questions? If you're the applicant, you absolutely need to prepare. If you're the em- employer too, yes, you do. But, so how would the applicant prepare in your opinion? Well, first of all, you should do everything you can to look on the internet and elsewhere to find out about the company you're applying for. You should know what they do. You should know who their biggest customers are. You should understand the industry. You should reach out to people on LinkedIn who maybe used to work there. Get, just do some intelligence because you need to be able to ask intelligent questions. You need to be prepared because who wants to hire someone who didn't take five minutes to look out for what the company even does? So if someone walks in my office, they're looking for a job, and they don't even know that we practice labor and employment law, I'm like, no, they don't really want this. You know, If you want something, you look into it. You work hard. From the employer's perspective, you need to identify the characteristics of the job. You need to be real about what's required. If it's not a nine-to-five job, then you need to say, you're going to work a lot of hours here, and we're going to pay you a set salary. You're not going to get paid overtime for that, and you need that. We, I want to be honest with you about that. And we also need you to do some cold calling, and the person says, well, I don't like that. Well, that's what the, that's you know, but it's nice meeting you. I mean, okay. we can part ways right now, right? Because who needs who has time to be you know full of niceties when the the reality is, or do, are there other positions that don't involve cold calling? You know, that might be another question that the applicant can ask. It's challenging, and you know, you, they always say you never ju- you judge a book on its uh, on the cover. I always look at people and how they're dressed when they walk in. Do you do that, or is that just old school? I think it's a little old school. I think what you can tell is if someone doesn't dress up for an interview, 
or if someone dresses sloppily, you that does say something about them, right? They're not they might not have attention to detail. I think you can glean some things. I think you have to be careful about stereotyping people and pigeonhole people based on on that. But you know, if you you know, I remember I interviewed this person and I and I looked down at their shoes and I could tell that they had just polished their shoes. And I loved that. They like, you know, got up and polished their shoes before they came to meet me. And I thought Yes, that's the kind of person who thought about their every aspect of their appearance. We we tend to forget the shoes, right? You know. Yeah, absolutely. And so I thought that that said something about them, and it was right. They were they were a very attentive person, a lot of attention attention to detail. Still with you? Not anymore. <laughs> but happy parting ways. <laughs> okay. So that is, speaking of parting ways, what's the right way to do that? Leaving a job is there's really only you got to be honest and you got to be transparent about it and you should always try to leave a job in a positive way because why burn a bridge? You never sure. know how that person's going to surface in your life, you know. And if you're applying, if you're a lawyer, every place you ever work, they get asked a question about you before you can take the bar exam. So, mm. <laughs> so you never know how, the importance of that. But I think notice is appropriate. Um, anger doesn't really have any place in the workplace, and so the, you don't want the last thing someone to think about you is they got mad and quit. Or they just, you know, angrily walked off. You can always give a very short resignation letter. Um, Thanks for the opportunity. My last day is going to be blank. Now your employer can choose not to let you work that notice out. But I think I'm a big proponent of um, leaving a job the right way, which means give notice in a calm, professional way. You might not like your experience there. You may have chosen to move on, but there's no need to make it hostile. And also write a letter. I'm a fan of that. Yeah. You know, sharing what you learned, how you grew. And then saying, I hope we can keep the door open, that type of thing. Yeah, just keep in mind that someone may read that letter in the future someday, so you want to, you know, make sure you don't put too much information in there, but yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh, On the other way, in regards to hiring, I also believe it's important to deal with certainty. So, Ms. Scott, thank you so much for the interview. I really appreciate it. Um, When can I expect to hear something? Yeah, that's a great question. And I love that question because it's up to you now. And the handwritten thank you note? Love it. Love it. But I wouldn't only do the handwritten thank you note because of the speed upon which business is moving now. You have to do the quick email thank you and then follow it up with a handwritten thank you note. And typically, yeah. It's funny. To this day, I still do that after I give a speech to a group that's invited me out. I will send the email thank you and then the handwritten thank you. I think I've been the recipient of some of those. Have you? Very well-drafted handwritten. Sloppy handwriting, but, you know, the thought is there. Yeah. But I think dealing with certainty and asking for what are the next steps is vital and crucial. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's also important and incumbent, and you hear this term more and more in the workplace, ghosting. Yeah. We're getting ghosted. Well, so often employees are shopping around and saying, well, I want the best offer. So then all of a sudden you'll make them an offer, but Dylan offers them something more and they'll ghost you. Right. But on the other end, I think it's incumbent upon the employer to not ghost back. And that is Kathleen, thank you for applying. Here are our next Mm. steps and to make it tangible Yep. and to communicate with you along the way, because so often employers do a poor job of that. That's true. Yeah. And I think asking for the offer letter and having the terms in writing is, is critical too, because that way you can see it. We tend to do that always. I think it's a good idea and it's okay to ask for that. You know, if you have an oral conversation about a job, say, well, should I expect to see that followed up with an offer letter? You know, that's a, that's a good idea. You can also ask to see policies of the company. You know, I think those are all all decent suggestions. Lastly, what else should people know when applying for a job from an employee point of view or as the employer, what questions are totally off limits? Be five minute early. Yes. Always be early. 
dress for the job you want, not the one you're applying for necessarily. You look, the worst thing someone says about you is that you were early and well-dressed. That's a win. That's a good thing. That's a win. Um, don't uh, use inappropriate language and don't use jargon. Um, try to stay focused on the job. But share. have your anecdotes planned out. Think about what do I want someone to say about me after I have this interaction? I want them to think I'm smart. I want them to think I'm funny. What is it? You know, it depends on the job, right? So think about the anecdotes that you're going to share. So if you don't know an answer to a question, you can kind of pivot to one of those pre-planned kind of, you know, anecdotes or sound bites, as you like to say. Yeah, no, I like that a lot. Thank you so much for joining Can They Do That? I want to give a special thanks to our special host, Corey Sabin. Thank you, Corey, for joining us and asking all the right questions. For everything employment law related, please visit us on our next episode or in the meantime at our website at scottlawteam.com. Until then. <laughs> <laughs>